Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. This episode is proudly sponsored by Integrity Life. If the last few years have taught us anything, it's that life is unpredictable, which is why you need to work with a partner that's flexible and loves to collaborate, one that will personalize the claims experience for your clients, one with a balanced approach to underwriting, and one with a competitive and sustainable pricing. Integrity, your partner for life. If you want to learn more about how Integrity is your partner for life, head to integritylife.com.au forward slash xy. Hello and thanks for joining us on the XY Advisor podcast. I'm your host Fraser Jack and today I'm hanging out with one of my uh, favourite people in the world, uh, Tim Henry. Welcome. G'day Fraser, how are you going? Very good, very good. Now we've spent a bit of time together over the last few months and uh, okay. and on different projects that uh, we've been working on so it's it's great to finally, uh, let, let, let's talk about it in public on a podcast. Yeah, well the funny thing is we've been learning to do the podcast from you, and uh, now I get to see it in in person. This is good. Well, full circle, full circle. <laughs> but do you want to uh, start with? Let's start with you. Uh, do you want to give everybody a quick over, overview of yourself uh, and what you're doing? Yeah, so uh, we've got a business in Melbourne, uh, Spire Planning, and we we have uh, three other staff. Uh, I'm the only advisor at this stage. We've got um, one of the guys in our team, Leandro, is. On part on on the way to becoming one, um, just doing the mountains of study that's required. Um, and look, we really targeted um, our business at families. Uh, that's where we do a lot of our branding. Um, we do still attract retirees, and really on the basis of you know not just financial well well being, but um, overall well being as well, and and trying to get give our clients that experience too uh, so it really enhances um, what they're doing and, and that they're clear about what they're doing and how it's going to contribute to their overall happiness. Yeah, fantastic. Now uh, let's go back in time a bit. When You started the business about five and a half years ago, is that right? Yeah, so I, I went into financial advice in 2009 and I bought into a business um, with a guy I knew uh, looking ahead financial planning and we were partners in that for uh, maybe about five or six years and then broke branched out um, in 2015 to start my own thing. Um, prior to that, I had started well, way back, um, did a banking and finance degree, I worked in financial markets, foreign exchange and that took me to Sydney um, as in my 20s and when I came back from Sydney I wanted to come back to Melbourne all the financial markets uh, offices had centralized up there so there wasn't that many roles down here and I ended up getting a job with Meyer um, at the time they their buying teams um, had established that you know their buyers were great negotiators but they weren't too good at maths and uh, they needed financial people to sit with them and make sure they they actually got the deal that they should have come to get um, and not find out after they left the room that 
wasn't that good. Yeah, this is a really interesting detour, I guess, uh, on your behalf. But uh, it certainly, you know, you, you, no Maya are not going into financial advice, or not that I know of. Uh, but interesting to go into that retail space and really get stuck yeah. in. And obviously, that wasn't the only retail sort of job you had along the way. Um, t- talk to us through that, what you learned from it and what uh, where it took you. Look, what really was a great um, background because, you know, coming in with a lot of financial nows, if you like, um, you know, you work in retail is a really interesting game because you work with hardened retailers who are, you know, they've been doing it for 40 years. They know so much about how consumers operate. I mean, you, you would just see a, a supplier come in with a product and instantly, you know, the, the old buyers are just going, no, no, it's going to be no good or... Um, yeah, that's a winner. And you, either way, you might be scratching your head saying, really, I'm not sure about that. Um, they had a really good instinct for that type of thing. And then seeing how a retail store actually runs behind the scenes too and and the profit um, that's made or lost through um, you know, having to mark goods down and that sort of thing. So our roles were really about... Um, buying the right quantities yes getting the right deal initially but yeah if you bought too little you missed out on the opportunities if you bought too much um you really could blow your whole profit on that product um yeah getting rid of the last 10 percent of it yeah that's interesting because i i think of that industry and making good decisions in in that industry as a like how is the consumer or what is the what is going through the consumer's mind when they make that purchasing decision? Yeah. Um, are they going to, you know, is it going to be something that they need, want, you know, like what's going to drive yeah. them to that? But, yeah, you brought in the other aspect of it as to getting the amount of consumers to purchase it. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, as well as that, what you, you, you start to realise is how far out this gets planned. You know, Christmas gets planned the Christmas before or you you know you you you've totally finished your mother's day products by um you know August the year before so um sometimes they can be brand new products that the market's never never seen and you've got to take a punt on whether this is going to be a goer or or a flop and and the funny thing is um what you learn from retail more than anything is you just have to have a go and some don't work out and some do, but either way, you need to move on pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so the supply chain, the length of time it takes for a supply chain to start, make a decision yeah. for it to be produced, delivered, shipped, whatever it might be, yeah, get to the store, right. then sold. Uh, you know, you could take a punt. Uh, that turned out to be a good decision you made six months ago. Yeah, that's right. And look, I think the thing that I really um, loved about the 10 or 12 years I had in, in that game was – um, you really learn to look at the products not based on your um, taste. You know, the product will get put on the table and it was often a thing, you know, like, you know, these buyers are getting paid a lot of money. Um, would it be something made by? No, but uh, they're putting it in a retail store, mass mass market. So um, you start thinking about your consumers, what their needs are uh, and whether, what boxes this ticks. It's not just always price. Um, it's features. It's you know what happened. What's happening out there? And we were in electronics and, and electrical goods at the time. Um, it was a pretty boom time then, like in the late nineties, early two thousands. So you can think of if you can think back that far, all the amazing technology that's now just all in a phone. Um, 
but yeah, digital cameras, the boom, internet boom, um, flat screen TVs. It was it was an amazing time, really. Yeah, fantastic. And you've been able to bring that then that knowledge of uh, retail consumer behaviour uh, to your planning business. Yeah, I really tried to, um, and it's and it's interesting because I think um, in a lot of ways um, it's no different. It doesn't really matter what what you're selling or what your service is um the consumer has needs and you need to come up with creative ways to communicate the solution that you can provide uh and 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 how do you do that it's got to hit some them on some emotional level to do that and it's no different with if you use the retail analogy you're going to put a catalog in someone's uh, letterbox and you've put a, put products in there. They've got to be motivated enough. Or well, in the old days, probably not anymore. They can get on their computer and buy it, but they had to be motivated enough to actually drive to the store and maybe purchase that product. So, same thing. Got to motivate someone enough to think that this could be for me. Yes, but I think it's very interesting that, um, and we've come from a industry where a lot of these names were given to us, right? Like, oh, we're doing risk or we're doing yeah, you know, this right. superannuation. Well, that, these are all terms that have been presented to us by um, based on the, the end product. Uh, and really now we're starting to come around and say, well, actually, no, you know, what is the consumer's need? What is the consumer's decision-making process? What is going through their head at the, at the time yeah. that they're making those decisions? Well, it's really funny you say that because – even with all that knowledge, a dozen years doing that week after week, when I came into financial advice, I also fell for that trap of starting to talk at these terms. And um, do you know a guy called Dan Gregory? He's he's a marketing guru. He's, he's on the Gruen transfer uh, quite a bit. Sure um, and I saw him speak at um, a financial planning conference uh, probably about 10 years ago, and I went up to him afterwards and I said, now we're really trying to get our marketing going. We're really trying to get our social media going. But, you know, the products are pretty boring. You know, I'm struggling with the content. And, and he just looked at me and he said, you guys just don't get it. It's not about that. It's actually, it's about what it does for the consumer. What's it going to do for their life? Talk about that. Don't talk about what you do. And it was like, uh, this not only a penny dropping moment for me on that front, but also a bit of a smack in the face because I was like, "How did you forget this? You were back there doing it like only in a matter of years ago." So I think we're all fall for it because we spend so much time um, analysing and and doing that work to then put our marketing hat on and, and look at it from a different viewpoint. It's not always easy. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, that grew and transfer was a great show. I remember picking up something from the I can't remember if it was Todd or Russell. Um, talking about insurance and said, now, people don't buy insurance, they buy reassurance. I'm like, bing, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's of right. Of course. Exactly. Why, are we, yeah. why are we getting exactly. stuck in this jargon? Exactly the same thing. Very good. Now, now tell us about the business. So you set that up. It was just you. Talk us through that moment. Yeah, so that was a bit of a leap of faith. Um, and probably, you know, my approach, you know, what I learned from retail about just have a go and, and work out if, if it works or not later on has got me into a bit of strife at times because I've taken risks that um, <laughs> maybe were a bit over my head. 
But uh, yeah, at that stage, I just decided to do it. Yeah, and then we, I think, in each of these phases, we've sort of we've grown, and then we've had another crack, and yeah, maybe we we're up to our neck a little bit, and then we grew again. Um, and so it's probably been a series of those types of things. But what I had done when I came into the business is I want I was sick of clients coming into us, nearly sort of saying, look. Give me the secret manual um, that tells me how to unlock all this stuff, and you know, I sort of got and and you know, we've got compliance beating us over the head, saying, uh, "What are their goals?" and that sort of thing. And so it was like there was this the from the consumer side, they weren't coming in with goals, and and it was like we were expected to you know make these goals appear. So I started a little program called the Dreamcatcher Program which was just something we could put clients through which would help inspire them to just get some things down on paper about their life. And we tried to leave money out of it um, just to get dreams and aspirations down. And um, it, it, it has, hasn't always been totally smooth and as we'd want it to work out, but it's, getting, it's evolved into a really nice little um, difference, if you like, and a value-add, but it really is helping our us perpetuate uh, that well-being aspect and and putting those goals in front. So you know we went in hard on that and um, and yeah, look, it's it's worked out really nicely. Yeah. Now, now this is a moment in, uh, a, a moment in your business that will never go back. Um, but talk to us about this Dream Catcher program because you created a program, and I'm going to ask you to explain what that means in a second. Yep. And then you took the punt on it, and you went, okay. And as you said, not everybody jumped aboard it straight away, but the ones that <laughs> yeah. did obviously got something out of it for you to then push through the, the you know, the glass ceiling and keep going with that. Um, talk to us about the word program. What does that mean? Is it like a course or is it a series of questions? Yeah. And then um, and then the results off the back of that, as in what the client got out of it and why you kept going with it. Well, a little bit about how it started because when I did all the branding for the new business and what it was going to stand for and our values and all that, I the marketing people, I told them about this idea and they said we could create a little booklet around this um, which would look and it would be an editable PDF. Uh, it wouldn't cost much to update it for each client. So it was cool and then um, we did, we had the booklet, started the business and then I was like, how am I going to actually get this information from the client? I'm not skilled to do this. Um, and so it sat on the shelf for oh, maybe nearly a year. And then I came across a lady by the name of Amanda McMillan and I met her at, at, at a business chicks event. And she she was she runs a company called Well and You doing corporate well wellbeing programs. And I said to her, I'd love to just bring this booklet to you and and she actually said to me, and when we met, um, she said, oh, yeah, we could just create a little program, maybe two hours, and um, we just get a number of people in the room and then they'd come into your office and fill that booklet. <laughs> I was looking at it like, oh, come on. This is, you're telling me that the client, and you know how hard it is, Fraser, to get goals out of clients at times. It's like you're telling me they're just going to sit in front of you for two hours and then they're just going to come and spill their guts. Um, but she was very clever at it and, and they did. And so we put a whole lot of clients through it for nothing. Some of clients that we cherry picked them just to test it, to see how it would work. And it was, it was been really amazing. So 
it was uh, that first part is just called creating your intentions. That's just a two-hour session. And what she cleverly did there and still does today is gets people just to, I mean, it's funny because she starts off with a meditation. And so you can see people in the room and I've had mates in there or people I don't know well who look across at me and go, mate, what have you done? What have you got me in here? But by the same token, by the end of the two hours, we've had we've had those same people with tears running down their eyes talking about their values and how they're not living up to it, and um, it's it's amazing. So, but and and with couples, so she deliberately keeps the couples apart, and and they talk to other people in in the little group. Not nothing about too personal, just about you know they might have to explain something for two minutes, and and then brings everyone back together with their partner at the end. And, you know, these partners have these moments where it's like my sheet says the same as what your sheet says. And so yeah, I've had cli- uh, clients that have said, we, you know, we, we loved it. We, we got on the same page and we're, we're really excited. And I think one of the things I'd written down coming into the business was how, how do we want people to leave, you know, the, the, the whole peace of mind thing, it just didn't seem like enough to me. I wanted people to leave our office feeling absolutely inspired to go out and have a crack because they've got to do that bit for themselves we can't do that we can build the strategies behind it but they've got to lead the charge so we need them to be inspired to go out and do that excellent i love the way you just said this the feeling at the end now so just just to summarize this is a program you sort of created it you have a facilitator they do an in program yes and in course uh, sorry an in-person group in-person session well, in your office? Times, yeah, sorry, you keep going. Yeah, sorry, in your office? Uh, no, we've hired uh, separate places to do it, not in our office. So the last couple of places we've done it has been in, at a yacht club. Excellent. Okay. Just and, in a small function room. And then off the back of that, it's kind of like a, a, a stepping stone towards how you can help them achieve those things. So, they yeah, they have that session and they take a whole lot of notes. And then we, again, Amanda created the second step of that, which is we give them booklets to do some writing and nothing too intense but just get some ideas down on the page and they've also then given a blank well a a, a dummy version that our version my personal version of the dream catcher which goes through your values your goals your travel aspirations your health and well-being aspirations and stuff like this and we just set up a time for them to come into the office and have a crack at doing that booklet and maybe takes about 45 minutes Interestingly, last year probably gave us the first perspective of saying we don't have to get people into an in-person room anymore. We could do this on a much bigger scale just through through Zoom and do it more times per year because that was the other challenge. You know, you've got a handful of clients that maybe aren't really into it and are never going to do it. You've got other people that are time pressured, couldn't get the time off work or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting this year because we're going to have a go at doing it a, f- a few more times, but in just in a virtual setting. Yep. And before and before this, obviously, you want to try and get people in the room. Are you charging them? Are you giving it away? How's the financials work? How yes. does she get paid for her work? Like what's her? Yep. Yeah. So we initially started this thinking it was something we could charge for, and possibly even something that we would get the client to do before we sat with them to do financial advice with us in a perfect world you would do that uh the reality is that was never going to happen no one's going to 
they've got a need. They need that sorted out. They want you to fix something. And so where we got to with it is that we would offer it to our clients that are annual ongoing clients and it was just packaged up as part of their fee that they would get an invitation to this every year and they can come and do it or or not. So Amanda gets paid by us. Yeah, we pay her to do that. I think uh, from memory, I think it, it probably costs about 200 bucks a couple yeah, in total when we worked out all the time involved from end to end. It was about 200 bucks a couple. So it's a, not an insignificant um, investment, but when you think about, well, you're wanting to deal with these people for 10, maybe 20 years, um, to inspire them and to have some great goals for, you, for us to work with uh, seemed like a pretty good investment to me. Yes, and in the retail uh, in the retailer world, they would call that what, total life of a customer or total, <laughs> total uh, income from a life of a customer? Yeah, and I think as well um, it probably helped them in a lot of ways then understand what financial advice could do for them because it's all of a sudden I see this is the biggest challenge is people haven't got time to even think about their real intentions. What are they going to do? How much money do they need to do that? So the default plan is make as much money as I can because I haven't got a better plan. And once they do have a plan and they know what they want to do, in some cases, you might say, well, you've already got enough money. So why are you working so hard or why are you living the life you're living? And and I think for them to be able to make those decisions means they come to us with far more intention about their what they want to do financially. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I love, I love the fact that it takes their goals and dreams and aspirations and values into account. Um, and you're absolutely right when it comes to the recommendations. It's all about relating it back to those things. I just want to push go, go a little bit further on the idea that this, a lot of this is designed around the client experience uh, and the way that the clients feel. You mentioned feeling at the the way that they feel at the end, all those sorts of things. How much of what you do is all around making sure that that client experience is catered for, not just the, you know, obviously what the compliance part is the ticket to the game, but yeah. like, around that client experience piece? Uh, you look at a lot and, you know, I wouldn't say we're we're even close to perfecting that. Um, everything we do, are doing though is designed around improving that for the client, um, not just from a marketing point of view or them understanding things, but um, just trying to make their life easier. I mean, the, I think we underestimate sometimes the value we can add just helping people be more organised in their financial life. You know, that's not even advice. That's just feeling structured. So, you know, we've we've designed packages for our ongoing clients as well on, on this basis. Um, we have worked with My Prosperity a lot and we're still tailoring our app on that. Um, we've got our own version of that. Um, and so in terms of the client experience, we want them to feel like, we're giving them tool, we're going to give them advice and we're going to give them that you know, annual or biannual meeting to help steer them. But day-to-day, we want them to have tools as well that keep them on track day-to-day and that we're part of that partnership. They've got a role to play and we've got a role to play. And, yeah, and I, I think that's just about building that infrastructure for yep. them. Now, speaking of the infrastructure and the, the client packages, you've obviously then – off the back of that experience, designed these 
packages that you as a business can deliver. Uh, do you want to talk us through the packages you've created and, and, and the interesting names you put with them? <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, funny you, you say about the the client experience before because I think we – it's not to say that we're not compliant and we're not focused on compliant. <laughs> we, we all need to be compliant and we all need to focus on SOAs and that sort of thing. But for me, if you follow that system rigidly, the client experience is as good as – statement of advice and it's like we just got to the stage of saying is this what is this as good as I guess I mean it's a horrible document we hate doing it the clients really hate sitting through it so is this it you know is this the experience that we're gonna walk away with hate paying for it yeah (laughs) and so we in our whole infrastructure of it it's like we've got to create a way to be compliant and create that document, yes, that stands as the advice. But we've got to have some documents or um, elements of what we deliver that go alongside that. That is more client friendly, gives a great experience for them, and helps them understand exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. So we decided to create. I think I read somewhere some research that talked about particularly the younger generations that are coming through don't want a whole chunk of advice thrown at them they're going to come to you for bite-sized pieces and they're going to do it in their time they're going to come and they're coming i think we're probably experiencing this anyway they're more savvy in in a lot of ways they've read up they've researched and they're coming in saying okay now i only want to do this chunk don't talk to me about anything else so we started to look at how could we provide this advice or offer it in a modulized way. And so what we came up with was some modules that, you know, ideally, like we all want to do, we want to do the whole thing. We do this whole package called the Game Changer Package, but it's made up of five or six modules. And, you know, one day it would be great if we could actually just offer those modules singularly if people want to do it. And we'll get there eventually. We're probably not quite there yet. Yeah, so the modules we built in the Game Changer Package are – and we call one the debt eliminator. So that's simply about strategies to eliminate debt. Now, we're not getting too complex here. This is just simply running calculators to say, did you know if you had pushed a little bit more of your surplus money into this that knocks this much off your loan? All we're wanting to do every year is just keep pushing, pushing forward, pushing forward. Savings builder, that's more the fun element. So we sort of dress that up as... You know, things that you could be want to do in life with your family. You want to go to Disneyland one day or buy a holiday house or have those great holidays every year, whatever it is. It's, it could be your fun money. It could be just investment security. It could be saving for your kids. We've got the education blueprint and, and we really singled that one out because through our research with people, we'd speak to them and say, you know, what are the pressures you feel and they'd say, well, you know, we're, we're so busy putting our kids through school, it's overwhelming all our other goals. We feel like we're going nowhere. So we thought, well, what if we created a module that allowed them to say to them, okay, well, your kids aren't a private school yet, so what about if you just started putting this amount away every month for the next X number of years? You're going to have that goal sorted out. So now you can flick some money at these other goals. So that's worked really well. Um, the boring one, so-called boring one, called the protection process, and we deliberately called it that because it is. 
let's not call it, it's life insurance and it's estate planning. And we deliberately just called it a process because it's just a, a necessity. Um, and we've got the dream catcher in there as well. We've got a dream catcher for family-aged people and then we're developing still, uh, we've developed and developing one for retirees with a lady called Natalie Yantotonsky from a company called Full-Time Lives and that's just a, a different sort of version that helps pre-retirees think about their retirement. So the modules sort of um, all work together as this package and and when we designed them, it was really about how is it going to make someone feel? So you ask the question, well, how does debt make you feel? Most people are going to say, you know, I feel like I need to get further ahead. How's education feel? Well, we're not really sure. Have we got enough? Uh, oh, the other one is super optimizer as well. Again, it's just in its infancy this year. Uh, it was really easy to design the the program and what they all were, the, the, all the time's been spent in how we actually deliver it. And that probably took over a year, really. Yes. So, so, so something you're building and continually building and building out, I like the idea of creating those different sections from a consumer point of view. As if I'm thinking, you know, the spokes of a wheel or whatever it might be, it's, it's very easy to think, well, there's all these different areas and let's just work on one at a time. Is that sort of how you do it over a 12-month period, for example? Um, well, you can or you can, or, you know, ideally the clients say, you know, we, we, we want to work on all of it. Um, I think what we've learned from it in delivering, this, so this is a, an annual review document, it's like you're giving, you're sort of measuring progress in each of these these pots. And it's really interesting because when they're doing really well in one but not so well in another, it starts to highlight that, you know. Yeah. The, probably the classic is the estate planning one because, you know, only 25% of people have an estate plan. And so you sit there after a couple of years and go, well, you're eight out of 10 in all these areas, but you're still a, a two out of 10 in estate planning. And so it really motivates them to get it done. And, and we've we've sort of developed a, pro, a process to help them do that too. So, yeah, look, I, I, I'm really liking where it's headed and it feels like we, the market, we had a great lady that helped us with the marketing of it and she's really been able to draw that life element out of it and even with her it was really interesting because the marketing people go back to those you know what which i call boring or old-fashioned pictures of the couples on the old couple on the beach uh, walking hand in hand and all that sort of thing and i said to her i do not want you to have any of those pictures and so she came up with some great pictures you know old guys surfing and in one of the videos there's these old chicks all dressed up um, on a massive Harley and and they've got their fists in the air and that. So like just having fun, you know, and I think we can bring a lot of element of fun to what we do. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you're exactly right. If I, if I picture myself in retirement, it's probably me doing something crazy or um, or, yeah. or naughty or, you know, like or, or, or doing something that matches my current personality, not the personality yeah, of the person in the picture. Right. Yeah, now, I know that people are going to be thinking about, um, so with these modules, you just had, do you have set charges for each module or like do you charge that way? Is that easy, easy to do? We're not yet. So I think probably to stress that we're not really at the position yet, even from a compliant point of view, where we've worked out how to, mark, how to do them separately. So we're pushing them out as a one package at the moment. And, you know, to be honest, 
it's just it's just standard financial advice that we're doing underneath the bonnet. It's just that we've helped the clients realize which room they're in when we're t- when we're having this conversation, and, we're, and and that they're actually building momentum in different pockets of their life rather than one big overarching plan, which sometimes feels a bit overwhelming. I think in time, I would love to be able to offer that as a as a one off module. I think you could understand, like even with the, the people that you know you have on the show and you've had on your other show, is you know there's so many um, compliance people out there that say, "Well, you're going to charge someone to talk about debt, like you you don't do credit product or whatever it might be." You know, so there's there's a lot of I'm not sure we could unpackage it just at the moment, but we I think. It would be great to get there one day. Yeah. Now you mentioned the uh, two out of ten, you know, ten out of ten scenario. Um, do do you do that with the way they feel about how they're doing with that, or is it just their actual how much work you've done on it? Well, this is where it sort of ties in with the system. So we we didn't just do that in isolation. We actually designed it with the astute wheel system, uh, which does have a wheel, obviously, astute wheel. Um, and it's in six six components, and they label them a bit differently. Um, you know, the income plan and the retirement plan and that. So we wanted more um, fun names, but their system does. Yes, it does send you do send out a five minute um, survey questionnaire and get them how are they feeling in these areas, and then there's modules for building up in each one of those. So it's it's sort of like we've 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 got the the marketing version at one end and we've got the the actual tool that can deliver it at the other end. So um, we've sort of plugged them in together. Fantastic. Um, now I do want to also talk to you about the, the marketing side of things um, yeah. and uh, a lot of the pre-work you do and the work you do um, – your newsletter and your in your in your new amazing podcast that you started <laughs> at the end of last year. Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, the podcast was interesting because I think um, I sat on a XY session with you and Emily uh, talking about how easy it was to, well, not how easy it was, but uh, what was it called? Do one in thirty days. Yep. Yeah, I'm not sure how motivated I was to do a podcast because I think I always thought that to do a podcast was for. Yeah, having 50,000 followers or something and I wasn't really interested in that and it was only something that you said in that session which was yeah, wouldn't it be do it for your clients and you know we have been working really hard on our content the last few years but it's all in the same form you know there's it's all written and there's so much info and you sit in sessions where you might have a guest that you or you see someone speak and you think, geez, wouldn't it be great if our clients could hear this? And so that's when I just thought, why not do the podcast? Because it means you can bring that to your clients every week. And you don't really have to reinvent the wheel with it. In some cases, in fact, I'm doing one tomorrow with another advisor and we're simply going to talk about risk profiles. And yeah, for for us that that probably seems quite basic and quite boring, but for the consumers out there, uh, quite interesting. Um, so it's been fun actually, and I found it a great um, little bit of a creative outlet. Yeah, I, I've loved listening to it as well from a consumer point of view, but also um, and just the the name of it. You, when you came up with the name of it, I'm like, where did that come from? Because that was uh, yeah. and and the and the slogan that goes with it. Let's talk about that. 
Well, I'm certain that Keith Abraham didn't invent the um, saying because I think there is a saying that's out there that says the grass is greener, not on the other side, but it's greener where you water it. But Keith did, I did buy one of Keith's book books a few years ago and it had that quote in there. And um, when we were just thinking of how do, how do we create something that isn't just only going to be about finance, we wanted people to think about that life design element too. And it just jumped out. Yeah, it was great. Um, and my wife's in marketing and she was the one that jumped on it first. Then after a few seconds of me thinking, oh, I thought, well, yeah, why not? Yep, fantastic. So, so the grass is greener podcast. Check that out. And um, and the and the saying was, yeah, the grass is not necessarily greener on the other side, but the grass is greener where you water it, which where is you water perfect it. for financial advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I think the you know I'll give you an example of how we I think overcomplicate things at times. We did one early on, one one episode which was about investment. And we called it Investment 101. And I said to the lady from Vanguard, Rebecca Pope, you know, don't get out of first gear. This is just keep it um, fairly fundamental. And when we did that, and the next week I had a, more than one person who said, I never knew you could invest in the share market without buying shares like that, or that you could just put it into some sort of fund like that, that and they'd allocate it all for you. These were professional people that make pretty good money. They didn't know. And so I think we overestimate at times the knowledge that's out there and and we ourselves have to stay in first gear at times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I've always sort of suggested that, you know, we say stuff all the time regularly to the clients. And so if you're saying that on a podcast yeah. and you're broadcasting it out, it's going to well and, and again um, you know, like re-emphasizing that point that if you just do a podcast for your own clients, um, then, you know, sh- without the expectation of using it as a marketing for new clients, um, but that'll happen. And yeah. has that sort of happened with you? Um, yeah, I think we're, we're just starting to get that now where um, the podcast is getting out of our own network and now we're starting to hear from people that have heard of it or their friends told them about it or something like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, as well as the podcast, you do regular content, um, uh, not so much a newsletter, but kind of like a newsletter as well. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, just going back to people like Amanda, who runs the the Dreamcatcher, and Natalie, who's helping us with the retirement aspect of that. One of the things that Stuart Bell, um, I, I worked up with Stuart Bell a couple of years ago, had a really good session on collaborating with other people so i went out to lots of different people in our community here um health people um accountants uh physio fitness people and just said to them if i gave you some spots would you want to create some content and get and give it to me and i put it push it out to my clients and they did and lo and behold people we're really into it. Things about, you know, I think the physio gave us something on sleep, like how to get a better night's sleep. And I was like, oh, can a financial person send that out? One of the most popular ones we ever sent because obviously it affects a lot of people. So um, we've started getting some good content. We pay for some content as well from a couple of sources. 
um, and and they give us some social media tiles as well. And so we've just created this sort of weekly sort of content schedule. On one of those days now, we send out just a brief newsletter with only one article. Now, we used to do that probably monthly or bi-monthly with lots of articles, and I think we've worked out easier for us and more likely the client will read just one article once a week. Um, and we're also putting the, popping the, the podcast on there too. So, yeah, I think we're leaning now to just more, that more frequent um, communication, that small snippets. I think that's probably the way of the future, small digestible bites. Um, it is really, isn't it? Everyone's a little bit short for time, so in a big, long newsletter is hard to, to digest. A, a full magazine of information is hard to digest. I'll even find that sometimes when I get a really good newsletter, it's like they might have five things in there and it's like I really would love to read it, but I haven't, I can't right now. And guess what? You never get back to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's something we've got, just got to all, you know, continue to chip away at. Um, and, yeah, not overcomplicated as well. Like sometimes we think as financial people we may be guilty of we're going to create an article and I'm going to think of the smartest person in my um, mailing list and try and impress them um, instead of just sending something out that's of value and going to tick a lot of boxes and doesn't take you a heap of time. Yeah, fantastic. Good message that one. Now, Tim, we probably wrap it up shortly. I think that uh, that covers most of the stuff. What, is there anything else you're working on uh, this year that you want to talk about? Um, look, mainly we're still working, as I say, on those on those programs. The main one I'm working on with Amanda is that um, digital or virtual version of the Dreamcatcher. And then the other thing that we are going to have a real crack at is, you know, we've we've really um, been working with My Prosperity for a number of years and we've got that portal re- working nicely now um, and we have now done a, a subscribable version of that for a non-client so they can subscribe to the portal for $35 a month and have the portal for their own use. And we're going to try and push that out because guess what? Don't give any advice. Yeah. (laughs) And and so these are people that we will have in our database um, that we still get to see the portal um, and maybe can interact with them and and make a a little bit of margin on that subscription based on what we pay for it compared to what we sell it for. And I think this is where, you know, going back to that retailer, uh, element is what else can we have in our shop that you know we talk about the cost of advice and that compliance aspect what can we what revenue can we generate outside that that's still compliant and i think if we challenge ourselves there's a lot there yeah so the advice is kind of like the big ticket item in a retail shop yeah it is yeah so um oh, we were talking about this beforehand um uh, a bit of a f- funny one but um now, I worked with a lot of store managers at Meyer and, um, yeah, the types of things they would look at when they open, before they open the stories, do we have men's underwear in stock? Do we have lipstick in stock? It was all the small things. Um, yes, they want the big ticket items, of course. They bring in a lot of money. They pay a lot of bills. But what getting the mix right, not just having one. You know, if you're getting a high traffic of doing something, 
um, those people are more likely to come back and buy the big ticket as well. There you go. Fantastic. Now, Tim, thanks so much for, for hanging out. Um, if you want to comment or make some comments or, or chat to Tim, let's jump into the XY uh, forum and, uh, and ask, ask away and, uh, and get some conversation happening. Fantastic. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Have a lovely afternoon. Good on you, mate. See you. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. My name is Fraser Jack. I'm, I'm here with Emily. Hello. Hello. How are you going? Very, very well. Thank you. Now it's time for our quick shout out and I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Who are we shouting out today? I am giving a massive shout out to XY member Craig Bigelow. He joined us for web event for the XY Plus uh, community, the XY Plus Inner Circle this week and absolutely crushed it. It was a classic case of peer-to-peer learning. One advisor jumping on, sharing a process and what he's done and what he's built in his business, in his risk-only business. His IP and so generous to share what he's done was phenomenal. And the chat box went off. Uh, advisors were super, super appreciative of what he shared. And it just, yeah, it was, was a wonderful, wonderful session. So massive shout out to you, Craig. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. There you go. Good on you, Craig. And if you know Craig uh, and let him know um, that uh, his work has been appreciated. Uh, that's, that was in the XY Plus membership. So if you want to be involved in those uh, web events in the future, jump on that. And we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>